Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. In this year, I'm going to make a claim, which I hope some people will challenge me on. The claim is that Rashi generally does not concern himself with the reasons for the mitzvahs. In my inexact count, I would say that Rashi discusses the reasons for less than 10% of all the mitzvahs in the Torah. Compare that to the famous Sefer HaChinuch, who for every mitzvah, every, each of the 613 mitzvahs of the Torah, he provides what he calls Mishoshei HaMitzvah, from the roots of the mitzvah, or what we might call the reasons for the mitzvah. Compare that to the Rambam's Moira Nevuchim, the guide to, for, to, for the perplexed, in which he gives reasons for many, many of the mitzvahs, even those of us, us such as myself, who have not studied the Meri Nevuchim in any systematic form, but we know many of these reasons because they are quoted by the Ramban. Compared to this, the Ramban, who in many, many places in his commentary on the Chumash, concerns himself with the Tame HaMitzvahs, with the reasons of the mitzvahs. Rashi, by contrast, only on rare occasion gets involved in this task of trying to understand the reasons for the Torah's mitzvahs. The simple reason why, in my opinion, that Rashi does not discuss very often the Tameha mitzvahs is because Rashi himself says in many places that his main intent in his commentary is to explain the Pshutai Shalmikra, the simple meaning of the Pasuk. Now, in most places, we know that the Torah does not give reasons for its mitzvahs. In most places, we find Hashem told Moshe, tell the Bnei Yisrael, this is what they have to do, this is the mitzvah what they have to do, this is the mitzvah what they are not allowed to do. In the vast majority of places, the Torah itself does not give a reason. And therefore, Rashi also does not give the reason. He didn't see the reason in the Pasuk. The Pasuk doesn't say the reason. Rashi's intent is merely to explain the Pasuk. I put that merely in quotation marks. But his intent is only to bring out to us what the Pasuk is saying. If the Pasuk doesn't say the reason for the mitzvah, then Rashi felt that he had no obligation to add to the Pasuk and to give us reasons. On a deeper level, I believe that Rashi has a somewhat ambivalent attitude towards reasons for, reasons for mitzvahs altogether. Let us examine a Gemara, actually a, a Mishnah and a Gemara in Besech de Brochis, Davlamid Gimel, Amid Beis. Here the Mishnah is discussing tefillah. A person who in his prayer, he says, Please Hashem, your mercy has arrived upon the bird's nest. You commanded us in the Torah that if we see a 
a mother bird sitting in the nest together with the baby birds, and we want to take those baby birds for ourselves, so we may, we may do so, but we first must send away the mother bird. That's called the mitzvah of Shiluah HaKen. Now, one might say that the tam of that mitzvah is it's, a, it's Rachmanus, it's out of mercy not to snatch the babies from right under the mother's Care, the mother's loving care. So the Torah tells us first to bang with a stick or do something to make the mother fly away, and when she's not looking, to take the babies. A person in his tefillah who says, Hashem, you had mercy on the bird's nest, please have mercy on us, says the Mishnah, Mishaskin Oisai. We silence this person. We tell this person to be quiet. If he is the uh, leading the tefillahs and this is how he davens, we tell him to be quiet. Now, the Gemara has a machloikis. What is the reason for this halacha? But we'll quote one of the reasons. The Gemara says, Because he is making the midais, the measurements, the attributes of Hashem into rachamim. He is attributing rachamim, mercy, to God. But Hashem's mitzvahs are only gezerais. They are decrees. And the Gemara continues. The Gemara seems to support this opinion because the Gemara tells us a little story. There was a certain person who went down in front of the congregation to lead the prayers in front of the great sage, and he said, You, Hashem, had mercy on the bird's nest. So you, please, have mercy upon us, your nation. So Omar Rabba, so Rabba said, How well this young rabbinical student knows to appease his master. How well he is praying. He has found such a clever way to cause HaKadosh Baruch Hu to look upon us with mercy. Amalei Abaya, Abaya said to his Rebbe, Rabbi, but we learn in the Mishnah that a person who says this, we should tell him to be quiet, we should stop him. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Nami, Rabbi also, the Chedude the Abaya, who the boy. He was only said so in order to sharpen Abaya. In other words, he purposely said something which is really against the halacha, just to see if Abaya would grasp and Abaya would ask the correct kasha. So really both Abaya and Rabbah hold like this reasoning, that the reason one should not say in one's tefillah, Al-Khan Sipur Rachamecha, is because that person is attributing mercy to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this mitzvah, and really the mitzvahs are given as gzerois, as divine decrees, which are beyond reason. Let's take a look at Rashi on this Gemara. Rashi says that the person who davens like this, he says, Al-Kansibor, Higiyu Rachamecha, so he is making Hashem's midais into rachamim. Rashi says midaisav means mitzvaisav. Although the word midais we would normally translate as character traits, attributes, but here Rashi says it means mitzvais, the mitzvais of Hashem. 
Rashi says, Hashem did not do this out of mercy. Rather, he did it to place, to impose upon Klal Yisrael the rules of his decrees. To make it known that they are his servants, and they are the ones who keep and guard his commandments. That they keep his mitzvahs and his decrees even on, in, in regards to those things that the Satan and the nations of the world, the, the idolaters, can ask questions on. What need is there for this mitzvah? In other words, a person should not say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mitzvahs were given for Rachamim. He shouldn't say Hashem commanded us to send away the baby bird, to send away the mother bird, as a means of showing our mercy on the mother. Or a person should not say that the reason for the mitzvah of Shechita, the proper way of slaughtering a behemoth, is because it is out of mercy that it is the most humane way of slaughtering the behemoth. That may be true, but a person should not say that is the reason for the mitzvahs. Rashi seems to be saying in general, mitzvahisav, Hashem's mitzvahs, are not for this reason, not out of rachamim, but rather they are decrees which have been imposed upon us to show that we do what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to do, even when the Satan and the idolaters might say to us, what is the need for this mitzvah? By contrast, let's take a look at how the Rambam understands this Mishnah and Gemara. The Rambam, in his Perusha Mishnayis, says that if somebody, if someone said in his tefillah, that your, your mercy has uh, arrived upon the bird's nest, so we tell that person to be quiet, the Rambam now paraphrases the reason. He says, because the person is attributing the reason for this mitzvah, he is saying that the reason for this mitzvah of Shiluah HaKen is because Hashem has mercy on the bird, says the Rambam, and this is not so. Because if this mitzvah was part of the way of mercy, so then Hashem would not ever have commanded us to slaughter any animal or any bird at all. So we see that Hashem is, so to speak, not concerned with the comfort of animals. Hashem allows us to kill them. Aval, rather, he mitzvah mikubelis ein lotam. The Rambam says that the mitzvah of Shiluah HaKan is what he calls a mitzvah mikubelis. It is a mitzvah that has been received. We do it because Hashem told us to do it. Ein lotan. It has no reason. Now the Rambam, if we look at his words carefully, we will see he is only addressing himself to this particular mitzvah of Shiluah HaKan. Zaysa mitzvah. This mitzvah is not because of Hashem's rachamim. 
Rashi, by contrast, says, in general, mitzvahs of, Hashem's mitzvahs, are not because of rachamim, they are simply decrees that we must keep. The Rambam says, no, it's this mitzvah in particular of Shiluach HaKan that is a decree which has no reason. Other mitzvahs could be or much more understandable, and we can and should investigate the reasons for each, for each mitzvah. So we see here perhaps a more uh, philosophical understanding of the different approaches of Rashi and Rambam. Rashi holds as a general principle, mitzvahs are beyond reason. They are decrees that Hashem has imposed upon us. And it therefore could be that Rashi, generally speaking, in his commentary on the Torah, does not get, get involved in the reasons for the mitzvahs. The Rambam, by contrast, understood from this Gemara in Brachis that the Gemara is only saying about one particular mitzvah, that it is a decree which is beyond our, beyond our ability to understand. But in general, it could be that mitzvahs do have understandable reasons, and it is incumbent upon us to investigate those reasons. And in fact, that is what the Rambam did in Meir Nebuchim, and even in some places in his legal code, Mishnah Torah, the Rambam investigates the reasons for various mitzvahs. The question that we must now address is, why does Rashi occasionally break his rule, so to speak, and discuss the reasons for mitzvahs. I do admit that probably a little bit less than 10% of the time Rashi does so, and the question is why? What could be the reasons for these exceptions to Rashi's rules? In my studies of Rashi over the years, I have come to the conclusion, the temporary conclusion, I would say, that there are three main categories of exceptions. There are three main types of places in which Rashi will discuss the reasons for mitzvahs. Category A is there are some places where the reason for the mitzvah is implicit in the Torah's words. In other words, the Torah itself gives the reason or gives a very strong hint to the reason. Since it is in the Torah's words, that is within the the range of Rashi's commentary. The purpose of his commentary is to explain the words of the Torah. So if the reason is implicit in the Torah's words, of course Rashi will help us to understand those words in the Torah which say the reason. Category B is that sometimes knowing the reason for a mitzvah will help us to resolve a difficulty in the text. Sometimes Rashi has a kasha on a posuk. He answers it by telling us a reason for the mitzvah, which he found in the Gemara or in the Medrash, or perhaps from his own thinking, and by understanding that reason for the mitzvah, we can then resolve the difficulty in the text. Category C is that sometimes the knowledge of the reason for the mitzvah will support the way that Rashi explained the pshat of the Pasuk. In some places, Rashi tells us his explanation of the simple meaning of the Pasuk, which may be somewhat controversial. It may be different than what other 
different from what other commentators said. Rashi wants to support his position, and he sees that if he will bring into the discussion the reason for the mitzvah, his explanation will be supported, and therefore he does bring the reason for the mitzvah into the discussion. I will now give an an example of each type of exception. In the spirit of Purim, which we just celebrated a couple of weeks ago, I will go backwards and begin with exception type C, where the knowledge of the reason for the mitzvah supports Rashi's explanation of the text. In Parsha's Tazriya, this week's Parsha, we read about the Mitzvah, a person who has been afflicted with saras. Saras is often translated as leprosy, but anyone who reads the Parsha will see that the symptoms do, are not the same as the symptoms that we nowadays call leprosy, but it is some sort of skin affliction. The skin beats, changes color, and this causes the person to be tummy. Now in Perik Yud Gimel, Pasuk Mem Vav, the Pasuk says, Kol Yemei Asher HaNega Boy, all the days during which the Nega, during which the Tsaras is on the person, meaning for all those days that he is afflicted and not yet cured, Yitmo, the person will be Tomei. Tomei who? He is Tomei. Badod Yeshev, he will sit all alone, Michutz Lamachane Moishavoy. Outside the camp will be his dwelling. Now Rashi says over here, Badod Yeshev, he will sit alone. Says Rashi, Shaloyiu Shar Tmeim Yeshim Imai. This means that other Tmeim, that other people who are Tmei with different forms of Tuma, someone touched a dead body, someone touched a, a dead animal of certain kinds, all different kinds of Tuma. Those other people should not be Yoshvim Imoi. They are not allowed to sit near the Mitzorah. Rashi continues, And our rabbi said, What is different about the Mitzorah? Why is he different from all other Tomei people? That he must sit all alone. Other Tomei people may mingle with each other. They should be careful to what extent they come into contact with others who are not Tame, but certainly they can mingle amongst each other. Why is it that the Mitzorah has to sit completely alone, away from people who have all other forms of Tuma? So, Since he separated with his Lashen Hara, which with his slanderous speech, he separated between a man and his wife. He caused friction between a man and his wife. Between a man and his friend. As we know, our Chachamim tell us that one of the primary, perhaps the primary reasons why a person is sometimes afflicted, Leolenu, with Saras, is because he has transgressed the sin of Lashon Hara, and therefore, thereby, he has caused friction and separated people who really should be friends and associates. So, Afhu Ibadel, since he has done this, so this person also should be separated even from all other 
people who have various different kinds of tumor. Now here we see that Rashi is telling us the reason for this mitzvah, the reason for this halacha of Badad Yeshev. The Pasuk says the mitzvah must sit all by himself, and Rashi comes and tells us the reason. A very interesting and beautiful reason. But the problem is that all the other 95% or 90% of all other mitzvahs, which also have very interesting and beautiful reasons behind them, Rashi doesn't tell us the reason. So why, is, why does he make an exception in this case? I believe that this is an example of category C, that Rashi is coming here to support his explanation of the text. Now the Pasuk says, Bodad yeshev, he shall sit alone. There are those Mepharshim, the Chizkuni, one of the early Mepharshim, who says that Badad Yeshev means She'asr Betash Mishamita, that the Mitzorah is forbidden to have relations with his spouse. Rashi did not say like that. According to Rashi, that is not what this Pasuk is telling us. It might be, in fact, the Halacha, but that is not the meaning of this Pasuk. Rashi says the meaning of this Pasuk is that the Mitzorah may not sit even with other people who are Tomei. He must be completely separated from everyone. Now, could be, in my opinion, I believe that Rashi now wants to support his opinion. How does he support his opinion? By quoting Rabbi Seinu, by quoting our rabbis, by quoting our Chazal, who tell us the reason for this halacha. They say the reason is that since the Mitzorah separated between people by speaking Lashon Hora, therefore he must be completely separated from all other people. Now, based on this reasoning, we can understand, this strengthens Rashi's point, that the Mitzorah must sit completely alone, and that that is the meaning of this Pasuk. Now we will move to exception category B, where knowledge of the reason for a mitzvah will help us to resolve a difficulty in the text. An example of this can be found in the next parsha, Parshas Mitzorah. Parshas Mitzorah begins with a description of the procedure that must be done in order to purify a Mitzorah after the symptoms of his affliction have passed. And among other things, it says in Perak Yudalit, Pasuk Dalit, V'tziva hakoyhen, the koyen will command, v'lakach lamitaher, and he will take, or perhaps it means someone else will take, that's not our issue now, he will take for the mitaher, for the one who is becoming purified, shteid siporim chayois tohirois, two birds, which are chayois, which are alive, we'll talk more about that in a moment, tohirois, and which are tohor, meaning that they are kosher types of birds, and certain other items. What is done with these two birds? So the psukim continue that one of these birds is slaughtered and the blood is gathered in a vessel of, full of water, and this water is later sprinkled onto the mitzvah, and the other bird is simply sent away to freedom. A very puzzling procedure. Now, on this Pasuk of Shtei Tzipurim Chayos Tehoyrois, 
Rashi says, Chayos. What does it mean that the birds have to be alive? So Rashi says, Prat Litrefos. This excludes they cannot be trefa, meaning these cannot be birds which have some sort of a mortal wound which will, in relatively short order, cause them to die anyway. They must be live, meaning healthy birds. They must be tohoirois, says Rashi, prat lo'if tame. This excludes a bird that is tame, meaning that is of a non-kosher species. Now, Rashi continues, lefisha nogeim hanigoim bo'im aloshen hara, because the plague of saras comes upon a person because he has spoken Loshan Hara, as we mentioned previously, Shahu Masa Pitpute Dvorim, which is Loshan Hara, is a act, is an act of Pitpute Dvorim, of chattering of words, of unnecessary thoughtless speech. That is interestingly here part of the reason why people fall into the trap of speaking Lashon Hora is quite simply because they talk too much and they don't think about what they're saying. They are chattering and tweeting like birds. It is a masa pitpute dvorim. Lefichach, says Rashi, therefore, huskaku l'taharasoi siporim. Therefore, it is required for his purification to bring and to use in the procedure Siparim, birds, shemefatvitvin tamid bitsifsuf kol, that they are constantly chattering with a tweeting of the voice. Very interesting, very uh, certainly uh, morally instructive, but the question that we must ask is why does Rashi go out of his way to tell us the reason? for this mitzvah, for this halacha that the Torah is telling us, that we use birds in the procedure of purifying a mitzvah, when in most places Rashi does not explain the reasons for mitzvahs. The classical, some of the classical super commentaries on Rashi's commentary address this question. For example, the famous super commentary known as Devek Toiv, explains as follows, that Rashi had a question on this Pusik. The Pusik says that we have to take birds. Now, and the birds, as Rashi said, have to be kosher. Number one, they must be of a kosher species of bird. And number two, they cannot be trefa, meaning they cannot have some mortal injury, which would render them not kosher. But Rashi had a question. These birds are not going to be eaten by anyone. And we can add, they are also, neither of them is going to be brought as a korban in the normal way that bird korbanus are brought, as explained in Parshas Vayikra. So why would they have to be of a kosher species and actually kosher, meaning not trefa? That was Rashi's question on the Pusik. Now, how does Rashi answer that question? Explains the Devik Toiv by quoting a Gemara. It's a Gemara in Mesechta Arochen. That the reason why Nagoyim, the reason why Saras afflicts people, is because they speak Loshen Hora, which is a Masa Pitpute Dvorim. It is an act of chattering with speech. So, therefore, the Torah requires us in the purification procedure, also to use siporim. 
Now, the Devik Toiv says something very interesting. He says that the Tsiporim that are kosher, those are the birds that chatter and tweet. The non-kosher birds, which if we'll look in Parsha Shmini, are mainly larger uh, birds of prey, mostly uh, seabirds. Those birds, says the Devik Tov, they don't twitter and tweet. They perhaps uh, squawk and honk, but they don't have this little tweety-tweet kind of uh, sound. They are a diff- of a different type, but when we say tsiporim that tweet and 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 uh, squeak and and chatter, we are talking about most other birds, other than those specific birds which the Torah forbids us to eat. Most of the regular smaller birds of the songbird uh, variety, they twitter and tweet and they and they they chatter and since the Torah is trying to tell us here since the reason why a person speaks lush and hurrah is because he chatters too much he talks too much and without enough thought so therefore it is now understandable why the birds that are used for the mitzvah's purification must be kosher of a kosher species and they must actually be uh, kosher birds. So here, according to the Devik Toiv, Rashi had a question on the Pasik. He uses the reason for the mitzvah that has been revealed to us by our Chachamim as a means of resolving the difficulty in the Pasik. Finally, we now come to exception category A, where Rashi investigates the reason for a mitzvah because the reason is implicit in the words of the Torah itself. If we go back to Parshas Vayikra in Perak Base, the Torah is telling us how to bring a korban mincha, a grain offering. And the Torah, one of the last psukim in that section says, in Perak Base, Pasig Yud Gimel, V'chol korban mincha scha b'melech timloch. Every Korban mincha that you bring, you will salt it with salt. You will place salt upon it. That is part of the procedure of bringing the korban. You shall not cause the bris, the covenant of salt that your God has made from the korban mincha. You will not cease to put salt upon the korban as is the bris, the covenant of Hashem, I'll call korboncha takriv melach. On all of your korbonas, even on animal offerings, you will bring salt. You will place salt. Now Rashi here says, on the words melach bris, the salt of the covenant, what covenant? So Rashi says, shabris krusa lemelach, a bris was made with the salt, misheshis yimei breshis, going all the way back to the six days of creation, that the Mayim HaTachtoinim, the lower waters, were promised that they could come close to Hashem on the Mizbeach in the form of salt, and also in the form of the 
water libation which was done during Chag HaSukais. Now, this Rashi needs a lot of explanation from many angles. We'll only uh, superficially discuss the main intent of Rashi here. We're really more interested in a, in a side point. The way the Mepharshim explained this Rashi is that we see in Misa Bracious, in these, these Torah's account of the creation of the world, that the waters were separated. Some waters were placed above, exactly where they are, I can't tell you, but there's such a thing called the Mayim Yoinim. There were the upper waters, and then there are the Mayim Achtachtoinim, there are the oceans and the lakes and the water that we know about in everyday life. Now, the Mayim Achtachtoinim were not so happy that they had to be down here in this lowly physical world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a promise to them. He made a bris. He made a covenant that that water in the future will be placed on the Mizbeach in two forms. One form is in the form of salt. The way salt, uh, one of the ways that salt can be obtained is by taking water from the ocean and allowing the sun to beat down on it until the water evaporates and you are left with salt. And also, uh, during Chagasukais, actual water was placed on the Mizbeach. This is the, the bris that Rashi talks about. Now here, Rashi is giving the reason for the mitzvah, why you have to put melach, why you have to put salt on every korban, uh, because Hashem made a promise to the, to the water. Hashem made a promise, and He's fulfilling this promise by telling us to put the salt on the korban. Besides the fact that it's not such an easy reason to understand, but we also have to understand why is Rashi giving us a reason altogether when in most cases, as we've said before, Rashi does not give us the reasons for mitzvahs. But over here, I think we have exception category A. Over here, Rashi is explaining the reason because the Pasuk says the reason. The Pasuk itself, the text of the Torah says that every korban mincha, you must put salt on it. You must not allow the bris that Hashem, your God, made with the salt to cease from being fulfilled. The Pesach says that there is a bris somehow between Hashem and the water or the salt. And therefore, since it's in the Pesach itself, Rashi felt the need Obviously, Rashi, whose job is to explain the Pshuta Shul Mikra, so Rashi explains what is this bris that the Torah is referring to. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash minagain be more.